Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Surianis. I'm your host. I'm a third Don Black Belt, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine. Today on the show, we're speaking to Mike Fury. Mike is a journalist. He is a martial artist. And he is a movie and martial arts action film aficionado. Today we talked to Mike about the release of his new book, Life of Action 2, the sequel to the sold-out, best-selling book, Life of Action. Mike and I have never spoken before, but I feel a real kinship and admiration for him. In part, it's because Mike and I share a lifelong love of both the martial arts and movies. Mike has managed to take those two passions and combine them into something that is really nothing short of terrific. And that is, he has managed to use his skills as a journalist. And I use that word very specifically. Mike is not simply a martial arts writer or author. He's a journalist. He has held himself out to a high standard. He has managed to infiltrate the world of martial arts movies and martial arts filmmaking and action filmmaking, and he has managed to create for himself a credible and trustworthy platform where members of that community feel comfortable and confident to speak to Mike, knowing that he will provide a true and accurate account of the conversations and that he will transform them into a visually appealing, aesthetically pleasing, intellectually fulfilling end product. Mike's two books are nothing short of breathtaking. And as anyone who understands the mission of Taekwondo Life knows, we applaud this. When we got into this realm four years ago, we didn't simply want to be a platform for people to publish low-end articles that were nothing short of commercials for their Taekwondo schools and training academies. We wanted to create a platform for high-level, well-written articles of substance about the martial arts, about Taekwondo, and about the arena of fitness and the martial arts lifestyle. Mike shares that same vision. His articles are insightful, his book is well laid out, and it is nothing short of a collector's piece. I encourage you to visit his website, MikeFury.net or Amazon.com, to pick up Life of Action 2. I look forward to seeing what Mike's got in store for the future, and I know that he's got great things coming our way. On another note, Mike comes to us in his conversation from the United Kingdom, We've had a number of recent conversations from guests from the United Kingdom, and the United Kingdom has jumped up to be, after the United States and South Korea, the third largest audience that we have in the world, and we service 165 countries worldwide. So to our listeners in the United Kingdom, we thank you and we welcome you. On a housekeeping note, one of the things that I, I get criticism for is that I never remember to mention that it would always be helpful to us if you were to like and subscribe our channel and post a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts. I thank you. I hope you are living a life of action, and I encourage you 
to enjoy this interview with Mike Fury. Can you can you hear me? Perfect. Perfect. You can hear me now? Okay, sorry if it tell me if it goes out. Now I was just saying, Mark, thank you so much for you know asking me and inviting me to speak with you and for taking an interest in the book because I really, really appreciate it. Uh, it. it was my pleasure and I'm really glad to talk to you. I love the I love your background. I love the fact that you have so many movies behind you. That's great. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not all good movies, I should say. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, we do we do what we can. So Mike, yeah. you you're coming to us from um where in the UK? Um, I'm from London. I live actually now just outside London, um, but I'm from London originally. Very good, very good. So we're not live, but we're gonna okay. we're gonna um, post this at a later point, audio and video. Sure. But we're talking today about Life of Action Two, is among yeah. other things, which sure. is absolutely phenomenal. Um, we'll get into a little bit, but for those who haven't had a chance to check it out, it is a sequel to another terrific book. It came to my attention through our relationship with Kung Lei, who is featured uh-huh. uh, in the book, and I know who you're familiar with. And it is a terrific collection of martial artists and stunt people and people that are around action films. It's got great photographs. It has great interviews. The hardcover version of it is available now, I believe, through Amazon and through your website, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, um, and I think is one of the true collectors. You know, I have it on, on my tablet, but I'm going to get myself a, a hardcover version of it uh, because I think it's, you know, among the type of books that you want to have to physically um, flip through. So, oh, no, thank you, Mark. And I, I appreciate your enthusiasm and your passion and everything you do. So it's good to, it's good to chat with like-minded people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, you're a young guy. Um, this is now your second major project of this type. Where does all of it come from? Um, tell me a little bit about your, your background and, and your martial arts and stunt relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for all of us, you know, it has to come from a kind of fandom, right? So we grow up being obsessed with movies. I think movies are such an interesting gateway for so many people because of course, um, the martial arts as a, um, as a sport or as a discipline can be a different thing. You know, you can train, you can go along to, to karate classes or any, any, any system of class and train there. But for so many kids growing up, especially of a certain uh, generation or maybe a few different generations, you get this introduction through people like Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan. And it's, it's, a, it's a great kind of um, popular culture entry point. So I think that that's, that's really interesting. And for me, you know, like a lot of other people, I grew up watching a lot of mainstream action movies, but also a lot of, uh, you know, so we're talking about like Stallone, Schwarzenegger, all those, all those great guys, but also watching a lot of Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Van Damme was a very big one as well. Um, and I think just when you're a, when you're a kid, you're really inspired by these types of people, these characters, um, you know, based on a, a great many things, based on how they look, how cool they look. You know, somebody like like Van Damme, you would kind of aspire to have that kind of physique and that ability. Sure. So that's that's really where it started for me, and then. Um, segued into journalism as I got a bit older enjoying writing about it because naturally you want to talk to people about this passion you have share the interest share the enthusiasm Um, 
started writing out, uh, started writing for, um, you know, websites and magazines and that kind of thing. Um, meanwhile, getting into Wing Chun Kung Fu was my first system I, I started out in. My parents weren't super into martial arts, unfortunately. I know a lot of, um, a lot of people who their parents were, they pushed them into joining classes, you know, sure. as they were kids. And I wish, actually, I wish I had that. I mean, I love, I love my parents, but, you know, that would have been nice. Um, I had to kind of discover it more for myself. And then got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu later and became interested in that. So unfortunately, I'm not a Taekwondo guy. I'm in awe of all you guys and the, the, all the talented uh, martial artists. And I wish I had that kind of dexterity, that kind of kicking ability for myself. Um, but yeah, then that led me ultimately to life of action. So that was just an idea I had based on having... Um, conversations with a lot of people by this point who'd become friends in the business, you know, actors, stunt people, and so on, having conversations with these guys and thinking, well, it's really interesting. There's some really great stories here. Um, I bet this would be a cool, um, this would make a cool collection of stories, you know, a collection of insights and shared experiences. So that's kind of how we, how we got to this point. That's great. That's great. Did you find, I mean, you know, my experience has been very much what you talk about, which is that People that are involved in uh, martial arts and movies and where those two things intertwine, um, that they are very um, passionate about it. And as a result, I have found uh, them to be more than willing to share their life, their experience, stories. Uh, I have found uh, great accessibility uh, even among, you know, the, the, the highest of uh caliber of stars, whether it be Scott Atkins or Michael J. White or those guys. Um, did you find that that's a similar, um, similar experience? Um, I'm really sorry, Mark, you actually cut out for a moment. Could you just okay. repeat the second half? Second? Uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. What, what I said is, you know, my experience has been that those guys, they're, they love to share their passion for the martial arts. And as a result, they've been very accessible to us for interviews and for conversations about um, their, their life, their training, um, their films. Have, have you found that that's been, you know, one of the things that's um, made it easier for you to proceed in, in these projects? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's definitely something I, I believe in is like kind of the, the martial artists or the warriors code. Um, there's a certain, you know, obviously a, a kind of a humble, gracious um, attitude. And it's what's interesting is maybe you expect it more of like, fighters or mma guys or stunt people and that kind of thing but even some of the let's say people that started out as let's say stunt performers who went on to become filmmakers even hollywood directors like the 8711 guys um chad stelsky and david leach who you know martial artists background and then stunt guys and now they're directing john wick and atomic blonde they've still got this very humble kind of warriors mindset and what it means when you're i think approaching these guys and wanting to talk to them is they don't think they're big Hollywood stars. They're not too good to talk to people. Um, you know, I think we all kind of, we all sweat and bleed on the mats together. And there's that kind of shared common ground and that shared respect and interest. So yeah, definitely. It was really great honor to speak to so many of these guys. And I found them to be really friendly and approachable. So it's a really good experience. Yeah, I, I think there's a combination of mindset. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think part of it is just a lot of folks that come out of martial arts training tend to be, have a, a, a very uh, a humble and accessible mindset. And there's another part of it in listening to an interview with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, he's talking about how historically action films are, even in high quality action films are considered B in the movie base. So they, they, they tend to think of themselves, even when they make a ton of money, even when they have a high quality product, they don't necessarily think of themselves as being um, in the same category as the, you know, Oscar winning 
movie stars, which is, you know, funny because they probably have a greater recognizable recognizability in, in terms of from the public's perspective and 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 the, the fan base is so loyal. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, it's interesting now how much it's changed. I mean, you know, in the back in the like 80s or early 90s, you got films like, you know, the, the Terminator franchise and the Aliens kind of becoming their kind of mainstream versions of action, maybe not martial arts action, but, you know, action um, based sure. cinema. Um, then in the 90s, the martial arts craze kind of came in a bit more into, into certain Hollywood films. Now John Wick is like a total um, blockbuster Hollywood film or franchise with a lot of martial arts, a lot of martial arts action, not to mention the Matrix and all this other stuff. So it's kind of, I think the, the lines are becoming a bit more blurred nowadays. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things, and we've spoken to like Jesse B. Johnson and speaking to Scott Atkins. I think it's one of the reasons why the, to some degree, the quality of the content is better because you have folks that, that are taking a real ownership of not simply wanting to, you have this, this movement, right? If you listen to Cynthia Rothrock speak, she talks about days of going in where there's a three page outline for a story and it's, they'll shoot and the, the martial arts is terrific, but the story tends to be weak because it's not well constructed. On the other end, you've had historically these terrific action films where the fights and the stunts were left only to stunt people. Um, a lot of blurry camera, shaky cam kind of a thing. And now you have a world where the industry has sort of said, we got to have good stories. We got to have good out and we have to have realistic fight scenes where we're going to be able to do close-ups and things like that. And I think for, you know, people that have spent, you know, I've spent my whole life waiting for this era of martial arts films. I, you know, I'm, I'm loving it. And then you have the accessibility of it in streaming and such. So you don't necessarily have to go and pay, you know, big money to see them. I yeah. think the, it really is a golden age for the, the, the martial arts and action fans. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's um, the, the, the challenge part of it also comes from it's made certain people have to become more savvy. Um, you know, in, in, uh, in the old days we had a lot, and I love these films, by the way, as I'm sure you do as well, but you have sure. a lot of the, um, the kind of the B-movie martial arts people that maybe aren't the best actors, but they have a good, good fighting pedigree. You know, doing their movies in a certain comfort zone now, audiences are more savvy. They want to see good stories and good scripts, as you say, so it's made them have to kind of up their games um, a, a bit in terms of, you know, the quality of, of, of what they bring to the table. And it also means, you know, it's kind of keeps you on your toes um, to a certain extent, I think, because now you don't need to get the martial arts guy to do the fight scenes. You can train an actor to, to, be, sure. to be, you know, who is already a good dramatic actor and can already deliver good dialogue to actually go and train and do the fight scenes and then come and do a, a good, complete rounded job. So it's maybe made some of the martial arts guys think, oh, we need to up our game. To Absolutely. The challenge on that becomes budget, right? So if you have a, we, and I talked to uh, Mindy Kelly about this and Simon Rhee about this a lot, is that when you have uh, these big action films like John Wick, where there's enough of a budget to bring in high quality actors to train, even if they don't have the experience for three or four months. But if you have a low budget film like The Art of Self-Defense, where um, you have a very, very short window of time and you have a, like a Jesse Eisenberg who is now going to you know, be in the, in, in the dojo and you have to train him in martial arts in the matter of, of days, even though he's a great actor, it's a challenge and you really have to find actors that are willing to undertake. That's totally different skill sets for them. It's totally different wheelhouse for them in comfort zone. So, but, but I think it makes, that makes that part of the filmmaking a little bit more challenging for the lower budget films. Yeah. I think for any experienced actors or especially, you know, good dramatic actors who've done great work and been recognized in that field, it's quite, it's actually quite courageous to, step outside of that and, you know, maybe do things that they've never done before, especially if it involves um, 
fight scenes and kind of you know f- feeling a certain degree of um of pain and pressure like actually in um in life of action 2 uh, the fight coordinator john salviti talks about this um the intent um and it basically intent is ugly you know and before even getting into the mechanics of a fight scene and what that looks like and he's a he's a bjj guy by the way so he's you know um jujitsu guys are always kind of you know hammering each other on the mats but he's um he's very he, he's kind of very comfortable and happy to put his actors kind of through the <laughs> through the works through the ringer in order to get the best physical performance out of them and i think some actors he identifies some actors aren't used to that they're not used to that kind of you know and, and again we're not we're not talking about anything crazy like getting punched in the face or something sure. that you wouldn't be expected to do but just that kind of pressure and sweating and feeling a certain physical pain which we know comes from training if that that's expected of an actor in a in a scene, I'm sure many will embrace that, but some might not be used to it, so it might be kind of a shock to the system. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the books. So the first one came out. How long did it take you to put that together? So the yeah, the first one was around three years. Um, I should say as well, what was funny about that experience looking back now is I went into that completely blind, like I had kind of not you know it was it was an idea in my head. Um, I give a lot of credit to Scott Adkins, who was the first person to come on board, which kind of helps you start building the case or building this snowball effect for going to, you know, whether it's um, Dolph Lundgren or Donnie Yen or any other any other people, because I can say I've got these these guys involved. Um, but I just went through the process, you know, slowly over time. And then eventually it was three years later, it was done. So that's how that came to be. It wasn't a plan, you know. It, Maybe if at the very beginning you told me this was going to take three years, I might have given up. I, I have no idea. Sure. But that's, that's how long it took. Um, so at least I had a kind of a, an, an idea this time around for the second book. And then the second book took around three and a half years, so actually very slightly longer. What was the challenge of the first book was so well received. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, really, it, you know, like I said, it, it, over and above the fact that it has good interviews, over and above the fact it, it's a combination of... Um, you, you had great accessibility. There are some photographs in there. You know, they're, they're not simply stock footage. You, you have photographs in there behind the scenes uh, footage, things of that nature. Uh, what, what additional pressures, right? So now you go into the second book and you have the experience. So that part of it is, and you probably have a lot more credibility because you, you certainly have spoken to a number of people, but yet there's this um, challenge to um, produce a product that is equivalent to the first one, which you've certainly done. I mean, the second book is, I mean, together they're a terrific combination, but how did that play into the whole process in terms of your thought process and proceeding for the second um, one? I guess for me, the biggest challenge I, I put on myself is I want to, you always want to top what's come before, right? So you want to do a better job. You feel like, you know, I should be able to outdo myself if I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. So what, what does that mean? That means I'm going to try and more great people, maybe some people I didn't have access to previously who I'd like to try, you know, reapproaching. Some of that trust, it's not just famous people or famous film is a visual art form. So it would feel kind of a letdown to me to not have any pictures and any, you know, visual material in there. So I wanted to try to get good quality images uh, behind anything behind the scenes, maybe some exclusive pictures we haven't seen before. So an interesting story about Cynthia Rothrock from the first book. Um, Again, sourcing images, I was able to track down um, a gentleman called Paul Maslach. And what's he was very kindly able to um, source from his own archives and collection some old, you know, photos and materials from some, some of the movies they did. And then what's funny is when, you know, we used chose some of the best pictures. And when the book came out, Cynthia said she's never seen these photos before in her life. 
That's so it's great. kind of funny that these things reemerge. Um, and that's kind of the approach I've taken. I've been able to track down some quite cool materials. And obviously, I'm you know, using the permission of the people who took pictures and everything like that. So, so yeah, there's some cool, cool and interesting um, pictures and behind-the-scenes shots, hopefully, which enhance and adds to the interview when you, when you actually read it. That's great. That's great. How has the, it, it's in full distribution now, right? I mean, it's available and, and I want to make sure that we give this out and we'll, we'll link this in the, sh- the show notes. It's, it's available at your website, which I want you to give us, I believe is mikeberry.net. If, if That's I'm, correct. Yeah. And it's available on, on Amazon. It's in full distribution. How has the response to this one been? Um, and how has it related to people going back now who are now discovering you for the first mm-hmm. time and now going back and trying to find the first one? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's been great. The response has been super positive, which um, I'm really, you know, I'm, to be honest, I don't tend to get, uh, I, I don't get happy about things. I just get relieved. So like, sure. I was nervous, I was worried. Then I'm, you know, if the reaction's good, which it has been, I'm just, I'm thankful for that. Um, and yeah, an interesting point, it has led people to uh, want to rediscover the first book who maybe missed it first time around. But what's, what's funny is the book, that first book is currently out of print. So um, that's a bit annoying, but I'm looking to do a second edition, hopefully quite soon. So then people will be able to, you know, go back and get the, get the first book. Cause it's a crazy price at the moment on like eBay and Amazon. So yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't encourage anyone to right. don't, don't spend that money. There'll you, be a second edition and you can get it then. Yeah. That's great. And you should be flattered because I saw what some of them were going for the first edition. It's, it's really, they really have become collector's pieces, which is a testament to the fact that they really are. It's a beautiful collector's piece. Um, like I said, even reading it on the tablet is a great thing, but I definitely, you know, from my perspective, long to um, turn the pages and, you know, have it as a coffee table type, type yeah. book, especially because, you know, you're always surrounded by, I'm always surrounded by martial artists and people who, who love the martial arts. So, hey, what's this? You know, find that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So did you find uh, along the way that there was anyone, you don't have to name names, but did you find mm-hmm. that there were any particular folks who were um, resistant to speaking to you for matters other than scheduling? I mean, I know over my time, people sometimes are just not accessible because they're working on projects, but did you find that anyone in particular that you were really interested in interviewing um, was resistant to the idea or refused or set up uh, unreasonable terms for, for cooperation or that you didn't really no. experience that? No, not really. I think the, the main issue I've, I've, ever, I've only ever had is if they don't want to do it, you know, and if they're not going to do it, they're not going to do it. So there's nothing more sure. to say. But once you actually sit to have the conversation, and obviously me, especially being in England, um, and what's convenient now, as we're doing now, we've got, you know, Zoom, we've got Skype, we've got all these other options. So I can have a lot of conversations with people from overseas or people in America. Um, luckily, a few people uh, like Michael Joe White was visiting the UK and I was able to, um, we arranged to go and have dinner and hang out and stuff. So that was fun. Um, and Tim Mann, the stunt coordinator, was in London as well for something. So a few people I've been able to sit down with or meet them at other times, but a lot of this otherwise was... Um, was uh, was like a phone call or, or or an internet call but i think the 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 point i was going to make from that is once you kind of sit down to have the conversation like with michael um that evening in london you know we just have a good open conversation it kind of once you get past the point of having to actually organize it and find time and schedule it which sure. a lot of these, these a lot of these guys are very busy uh once we're actually sat down to have a conversation um you know usually it just flows and i think once they know that they can um, they, they trust the person or trust the interviewer, in this case, me. Um, then, as you say, maybe familiar with the book, I have some degree of credibility, having done it before. 
they can see that I'm not out to, you know, make them look bad or ask stupid questions. Sure. Um, hopefully that, that gives a certain trust. And then people like Zoe Bell, you know, who I'm a huge fan of, I had such a, um, such a great conversation with her over a few hours. And, um, and yeah, I mean, she's, she, for anyone who's seen any interviews with her, she's a really, uh, really open and honest person. She's, you know, about the good and the bad, about, you know, the, the success, uh, successes, but also struggles and all, everything she's done in her career. So that one in particular had such a profound effect on me. I was thinking, I have to have her on the cover. I can really ima- imagine sure. her being on the cover. Then it just becomes a case of, okay, which picture would it be? Because I wanted a, I wanted a certain kind of um, uniform aspect with the first book in the design. So what picture would work, what works visually. And then fortunately we were able to find this cool shot from the film Rays, which she was in. So, so that was really cool. So yeah, but everyone in there, everyone in there was so generous with their time and I'm super, super grateful. Let me ask you just out of, um, you know, the one thing that I've, I've kind of learned is that sometimes there's common themes that jump out at you that you didn't necessarily know at first, but based on the volume of people, right? You're, you're dealing with martial artists and while some may be Taekwondo and some, and, and, and people that are around the, the arts and the stunts, was there any particular from going from the first to the second and you take all this, this broad spectrum of interviews, was there any particular theme that jumped out at you as being um, something that almost everybody seemed to have in common in terms of their, either their journey or their lives? Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest uh, common themes um, which I identified is that everyone basically follows their own path. And that, as I like to say, there's no script for success. Like a guaranteed, you know, if you do this thing, that will happen. Um, you, you know, you look at all these different people, you know, people have come from different backgrounds. You've got somebody like Kung Lee from his, you know, mixed martial arts fighting background who's transitioned very successfully into movies. Um, and then you've got people who can come more from a, um, a pure kind of film academic background. And then maybe stunt people who've become filmmakers or you know actors who've moved into filmmaking and things like this so everyone has their own path but i think the most successful people you look at and some of the names we've been talking about as being fans of they're they're basically very unique like you know you don't you don't really get another scott adkins like scott adkins was inspired by van damme but he's not like van damme he's his own guy just like jackie chan you know they they tried to make him like bruce lee but he had the most success being jackie chan and um, so, you know, everyone's got their own uh, got their own kind of formula or you know series of ingredients that they bring to the table, and that's what makes them special and unique. So I think if there's something that hopefully people take away from this, it's obviously great to be inspired by all these guys and take take aspects that you like. But ultimately, you know, you need to be yourself because otherwise, you're just another. You know, they'll, they'll look at you and say, you know, he's trying to be Scott Adkins or she's trying to be Cynthia Rothrock. It's not, you know, be yourself. And I think that's that's the best way. That's great. That's that's great advice. Yeah. So tell me now, as you as you move forward, right? I know you're you're busy promoting uh, the second book, but in your mind, are you constantly always outlining, laying out in your mind the potential of the third book, the the the, the, the next book, or or are you on to something different? Um, yeah, I think remains to be seen. I mean, I would like to do a third book, and I've I've been thinking about it, but um, to be honest, the process of writing these it takes it kind of feels like it takes a, a, a lot out of me. So um, it just in terms of volume and kind of mental focus and things. So um, what I did with the, after the first book, I took kind of a break before I started on the, uh, on the second book and I'll probably do the same thing. But, you know, I think that even if, and I don't want to say that I'm not doing it, but if a third book didn't happen or didn't happen right away, because it's always something that could, I could revisit later, I think I'd like to do something else in that kind of space. So 
definitely something that's connected that's that's relevant to that um but hopefully you know i just i obviously want to continue promoting the second book and because i'm finding still as much as you feel like you're banging the same drum over and over people are still kind of discovering it who didn't hear about it a month ago or two months ago so actually it's a good it's a good process so hopefully people enjoy the book and it will you know it will incentivize me enough to do the third that's great that's great i'm certainly looking forward to that let me ask you in terms of you know i had the opportunity to speak to scott mostly because of the fact that covid has given him a lot more time you know because we we just haven't been hadn't been able to previously been able to coordinate our schedules right so i see a lot of that what are you seeing now in terms of where you are in the part of the world where you are are things starting to open up i mean i I know that the the movie industry is you know we're we're all consuming so much content but not a lot of stuff's being made what are you seeing from your perspective in the the united kingdom are you seeing that the things are opening up a bit or are still pretty much locked down where you are and 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 what do you what do you expect you know just from your personal perspective yeah i think i mean things are slowly returning to normal just like i think you know it's, it's happening everywhere um i think it's just for for me and for most people around it it feels like it's just being sensible about the you know not going crazy and running straight back into the gym and doing all this sure. as much as we want to i'm sure we're all craving training and you know probably sick of training at home or going in the park or something you know you want to get sure. back in the gym as well but you know it's just being staying staying healthy staying sensible and taking things kind of one step at a time and things are getting back normal so hopefully it's not too much longer but I I think it's also about trying to use this time productively like I've been doing a lot of writing and taking the opportunity to promote the book as much as it's it's kind of a weird time and I in the beginning I felt I felt a bit bad because I I, you know it felt to me like you know amidst this global pandemic it's kind of a dumb thing to be talking about a book it's like it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things it's not important but I couldn't change the timing unfortunately um, and then on the flip side hopefully it gives people something productive or inspiring to, to kind of read and soak up and absorb and then when we all when we're all released back out into the world to, to, to go sure. back to business as usual we've we, we've done some productive things while in lockdown so I guess that's the that's the aim. No that's great and, and I do agree with that and I do feel like I understand your trepidation, but I feel like it is a service to some degree to people because people really are looking to, they have more time and, um, you know, it is something for them and something of value and something of meaning for them to consume. And, you know, it, it, it tends to, um, there tends to be a reaction, right? So somebody picks up the book and maybe isn't familiar with the, the work of Zoe Bell and think, all right, now I'm going to check out those movies and see what streaming service I can find them. And now they're, um, they're you know, it, it leads into those that those sort of those 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 paths that you didn't expect. So mm-hmm. it is it sure. is sort of an interesting thing. So you know, and, and for yeah. me, I always that's one of the things I love. You know, I'll I'll watch a movie and see someone with great martial arts skills and say, I don't really know who that is. I'll take a look and see, oh wow, they were in this movie or that movie. Next thing you know, it's mm-hmm. you know gives me six hours of, of viewing time. Yeah. It's like a never-ending spider diagram, right? Like it's, you know, like a family yeah. tree. It kind of branches off. And then you read about this guy. And, oh, he's, but he's worked with this guy. Who's this dude? And then you, you see them in a fight scene with somebody else in there. And then it kind of, it goes crazy. You end up down the rabbit hole. Absolutely. One of the things that I've learned, which is interesting, is that every, every business in its own way is large and small, is that as we've had greater contact with um, various martial artists, movie star, action stars, stunt people, that again, when you do draw those diagrams, there's always some connection. There's always some way to lead back to certain people. And the more movies that they do, you go, wow, wow. I, I, I didn't have any re- re- realization that they were somehow interconnected. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. 
for sure. And I mean, I'm a big fan. I mean, I'm a big film fan across the board anyway. So I love a lot of different genres and not just action, you know, a lot of, uh, you can see I've got a ton of DVDs sure. behind me and it's a, kind of a big wall. Um, Cause I'm into physical media and that's, that's kind of one of, sure. one of my things. Um, but you know, I'm, yeah, a lot of different movie genres, but even within action, you know, I'm, I'm into lots of different types of action. So I'm a big Hong Kong film fan. So all the old, you know, Chinese and Kung Fu movies through to like, John Woo's, you know, the, the kind of the gunplay action. Um, and then Hollywood and even, you know, the like we're talking about the B movies or the kickboxing movies of the 80s and this kind of sure. stuff. So I think it's so it's so broad and it all has value. It all brings value to 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 the kind of the cinematic landscape, which is why in both books I tried to speak to a cross section of people. It's not just, you know, B movie guys or Hollywood guys or Chinese, you know, kung fu film guys. It's a very, very mixed bag, but they're all kind of, they all inspire and motivate each other. And they all tend to be fans of each other as well. So, and we as fans want to see all their stuff. So Absolutely. hopefully it's interesting to read all, read all those different stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you start to see themes and things that tie. I've been watching during this time, I've been watching a lot of uh, Korean language uh, action films. Uh, some of them are martial arts. Some of them are, are sort of action dramas. And a lot of them are super high quality. I didn't have any understanding that, that some of the South Korean films were as high quality. But you'll start to see a lot of, because there's a small cluster of filmmakers, and you'll start to see a, a, a series of themes that will tie into, um, you know, the, those films. That, I that you know, three months ago, I had no awareness of any of them, you know, probably mm -hmm. other than one or two. One or two. And now, you know, I, I really have a greater familiarity with them and they're, and they're great and they're, and they're really right. worth seeing. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of influence into and crossover. One of the things about the globalization, right. Of, of all industries is we start to see, you know, you'll start to see in American filmmaking things that came from Indonesian martial arts or came from Korean filmmaking and, and they'll become a, a staple. If they work, they become a staple here and people here might not even understand the origins of them, but they appreciate mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember who said it to me, but it was basically along the lines of uh, um, action in film is like a global language now because every, everyone can watch everything. So, you know, in the, in, the East, um, in the East, they're watching Western films and in the West, they're watching Eastern films and everyone's taking, borrowing from each other. I mean, it's quite, it's, it's quite old now that people have talked about like Hollywood's borrowing from the Far East. Um, and that's, you know, that's maybe still true to an extent, but, you know, also it's, it's not just, it's not, to just romanticize that point of view that actually the East also borrows from the West. And they've, you know, in some of the Chinese films recently, they're, they're um, hiring Hollywood stunt coordinators to go and do that kind of like, um, you know, that Jerry Bruckheimer style big sure. action. So it's, it's, quite, it's quite a mixed bag, but I think everyone's inspired by each other. So that's, it's just ultimately about creating the best product possible. I think. And I think we're in a good time. So, and Mike yeah. Fury, I really want to thank you for talking to us. Uh, we, we recommend, uh, to to all of our viewers worldwide that uh, you you visit Mike's website, which is mikefury.net, um, that you look for his book Life of Action Two, and we look for I think uh, truly uh, the the second edition of uh, Life of Action One as a companion piece to uh, will we'll, we'll certainly do well, and we look forward to following what you're doing in the in, you know in the near future, and we really I want to thank you personally for talking to me today. You're very receptive to. Uh, when I when I reached out and and uh, I really look forward to following your young guy. I look forward to seeing what's next for you. Oh, cool. Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate it, and I love everything you do. And your I really appreciate your uh, your enthusiasm and um, you know your clear passion, which is is kind of rare in some some cases today. So especially amidst you know everything that's happening, it's nice to talk to 
good, like-minded, passionate people. So thank you, sir. Absolutely. I look forward to talking to you. And if you're ever in New York, I look forward to hopefully seeing you face-to-face. Yeah, for sure. Very good. Be well. And thank you so much, Mike. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money now on new siding from LP SmartSide at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP SmartSide today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save